This is Tuesday, March 23rd, and today we're going to be talking about the process that people who have experienced this higher Christian life always go through. And the advantage of this is the fact that you can see this process and determine where you are in this process and be encouraged by the fact that other people have persevered where maybe you're struggling and other people have experienced what you're hoping to experience and realizing, as we talked about yesterday, that there is nothing that God places in your heart regarding a desire for a deeper relationship with him that he doesn't fulfill ever. So rest and be assured of that. Let's go ahead and get started. There is a process each of us go through that pretty much leads us from where we are right now in our spiritual life, and all of us are on a different continuum to the life that we want to be, what we call the higher Christian life, a life where we have intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ and a relationship, as we talked about Sunday, a gnosko knowing of the Holy Spirit as much as we know about Jesus and as much as we know about the Father. Or if we're quite honest, this process takes us from a nominal Christian experience, a on a scale from one to 10, maybe a six, seven, or eight, to one where we're experiencing this abundant life that Jesus talked about in John 10, 10. Rest assured, everyone goes through this process. Some never make it all the way through. We talked about that yesterday, about some of the reasons why people will never experience the higher Christian life. Some, like me, get fixated at a certain stage for years, in, in my case, almost a decade, where I was refusing to count the cost or commit or totally surrender myself to him, that I will surrender part of myself, but still holding on to the person who makes all the decisions. In other words, you're a great co-pilot, Jesus, but I need to be the pilot. The process to achieve the higher Christian life is pretty much the same for everyone, but the way we go through them differs for each person. So be encouraged. As we look at this process, you'll be able to see where you are on the continuum and realize that your goal of this intimacy with the Lord is not far off. And by the way, um, going through a process like this really shouldn't surprise us because every one of us went through a process that's revealed to us in Romans chapter 8 when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Romans 8 shows us the process from God's perspective. All those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. He predetermined our outcome. And all he predestined, he called. That's when we somewhat become aware of this wooing of God, this deep inadequacy we have with our own life that can only be satisfied with him, as C.S. Lewis said, this God-shaped heart or vacuum that we have that he can only fill. All those that he called, he justified, he declared righteous, which is where we finally cognitively become aware of our salvation. It's when, when we're sharing our testimony, we say, this is when I got saved. And then all those who are justified are glorified, which is at a point somewhere in the future. So there is a continuum 
in our salvation, and there is a process in our sanctification in order to make us more like Christ, living the abundant life, and experiencing the higher Christian life. So let me go ahead and share this process with you so you'll kind of know where you're at and what you can expect. Step one, you have to have an awareness that there's more of him that you need. This is what we've been concentrating on the last couple weeks in church. This is what we talked about last week by sharing some testimonies of famous people that we know who have experienced this higher Christian life to put a hunger in us that there is something deeper, more passionate, more kinetic, more powerful to having God live within us than we're experiencing right now. You know, we find this truth in John 7, 37, where Jesus simply says this, if anyone thirst, if anyone recognizes how thirsty they are, how dry they are, how parched they are, let him come to me and be refreshed. Let him come to me and drink. In other words, before Jesus can bring the refreshing, we first have to recognize and have an awareness of our lack and of our thirst. And that is step number one, to recognize that. If that is not dealt with and time passes between an awareness and where we actually have that satisfied by Christ, we go through step number two which is a troubling in our soul. It's an agony. It's a growing, deep dissatisfaction with our present spiritual state. In other words, it's like us saying, I know I'm thirsty and I'm absolutely miserable and I need to get this thirst satisfied. And getting that satisfied only comes from Christ. If you remember in the Beatitudes, Jesus says, it is those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those are the ones that will be filled and satisfied. Once we get to the point where we're not willing to be miserable any longer, and as I shared with you yesterday, for some people, that took years to resolve that issue. We then come to step number three in the process where we realize that it is a time for absolute surrender, that I want to yield myself totally to the Lord. It's, it's what we call a, a point of total abandonment. It's when Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 that we spoke about Sunday talks about presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This is a point of no return. It's an irrevocable transaction. It's a total commitment. And from this step forward, success or failure will be determined by whether or not you and I are willing to pay the price and the cost for discipleship that Jesus laid out for us in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. In other words, am I willing to pay the cost? Do I have that kind of desire for him? And am I totally committed to having this abundant life that Jesus promised. It's the line in the sand. It's the point of total commitment. And again, success or failure is determined by how committed we are to that commitment. Now, that's the tough part. 
That's the part where it's kind of all on us. I recognize my need for more of him. I'm miserable because I don't have more of him because I'm holding on to more of me. I surrender me to him. I give everything that I am to him. And then what happens? That's step number four. And this is where your faith kicks in. It's the same faith that allows you to have a higher Christian life that allowed you to have a Christian life in the first place. It's faith and trust and reliance on the promises of God without required evidence or any sort of experience if God chooses not to give you one. It's simply trusting because he is trustworthy. I'm trusting like in Philippians 1, 6, that he who began a good work in me will complete it until the day of Christ. And so therefore I appropriate that faith in my life. I believe as in Jude 24, that he is able to keep me from stumbling. He is able and powerful enough and willingly enough to keep my commitment that I make to him. And not only that, he will present me faultless, but for the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. This is the part that relies on your faith. I simply trust in the completed work of Christ on the cross as the payment of my sin, and I know that I'm saved, even though some days I may not feel like it, and I trust that I've surrendered my life to him. He has accepted my offer of my life to him. He has inhabited my body and my mind and my will, and I know that I'm going to live the abundant life in him, and he is pleased in what I do even though sometimes I don't feel that way. Which brings us to step number five. Once I've made that commitment, and once I've placed my faith in his word, I have to rest there. I have to abide in him and his love. If you remember, the word abide means to rest, live, dwell, to basically make my home a habitation, my abode in him. John 15 lays out for us this picture of our relationship with Christ as the vine and the branches. Jesus is the vine, which is the roots, the stalk, the branches, and the fruit. We are just part of him. We are just the branches. We don't produce the fruit. We just bear the fruit. And the only reason we're able to do that is because we stay connected to the vine, getting this living water from the vine, our strength and support and nutrients from the vine. John 15, 4 says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This is the part of the process where we begin to experience, like we hear in all these testimonies, the power of God for service and ministry that begins to flow through us as we, as a great privilege, are able to bear his fruit for the glory of the Father. But be warned and remember that our ability to remain in the blessings of this higher Christian life is dependent upon how much we are willing to stay connected to the vine, to abide in him. Because if we refuse to remain connected to him, the fruitfulness disappears. The higher Christian life disappears. 
and we will simply sink back into our nominal Christian life because we have refused to stay connected to the source of everything vibrant and real in us. Jesus talks about that in John 15, 6. Listen carefully. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Which brings us to the final step, the final part of this path this journey, this process that leads us to this higher Christian life. And that is just that, the abundant higher Christian life, this life of abundance, this life of excitement, and this life of adventure. If you've read these testimonies or talked to someone who's experiencing this, this is the part where they tell you about how God is using them in a profound way, that it's not them, but it's him who's doing all the work. They're doing things they would have never done before. They're seeing things they've never seen before. God is opening up their heart and their mind to deeper truths that they were blind to before, that this is so wonderful for them that they also want it for you. He will create in us rivers of living water to refresh others. And I'll be real honest with you, it doesn't get any better than this. And it's yours and mine for the asking and the surrendering, that we yield ourselves to him, we ask him to take possession of what we've given to him, Romans 12, 1 says our bodies, and he does, and he lives his life through us. Remember the prayer that I shared with you from Dr. Walter Wilson just yesterday about yielding your body to the Holy Spirit. So ask him today, for the desire and the unction and the power to embrace this higher Christian life, irrespective of where you are in this process. If you're at step two, pray that he'll give you the strength to move to step three and make that commitment. And if you've made that commitment in step three, pray that he will increase your faith to show you how complete you are in him, to hold on and abide in trust and experience the abundant life that only he can give. I hope this has been a blessing to you today. And I pray that you'll be encouraged in the Lord to seek more of him. And we will talk again tomorrow. Until then.